your last will and testament they're all kind of like part of the whole estate planning thing but a living will is sometimes called an advanced directive or medical directive or a personal directive because it actually comes into play before your last will would though often people do all of those documents kind of at the same time. So living wills are a component of an advanced directive, which is a legal document that you can have drawn up that basically tells the people in your life what to do if you are in a state where you can't make decisions anymore. So a primary example of this would be if somebody is in a coma and is not conscious and able to make decisions about their health care. Now when you are of sound mind and body and you're writing this document up, the most important thing that you do is appoint somebody as your power of attorney. And this person will be the person that doctors will talk to about your care. But it's important to note here that they aren't necessarily making decisions for you because what you've appointed them to do is actually carry out the decisions that you would make for yourself if you could, which you outline in this document. I actually made a flow chart for mine. Of course, even with a flow chart, there is always the possibility that a situation will come up that you haven't outlined your preferences for because you just couldn't have foreseen it. So your power of attorney, or sometimes called your proxy or personal representative, should really be somebody who knows you well enough that they could make informed decisions about your care that would support and be in line with your end of life wishes. So living wills are really a fairly recent thing, having emerged in the early 70s and kind of becoming more widespread in the 90s after the Patient Self-Determination Act went into effect. And this required healthcare providers, so usually doctors and hospitals, to give patients information about their rights when it came to making advanced directives in accordance with each individual state's laws. Now, before medical technology advanced, we didn't have the ability to keep people alive artificially for very long, if at all. And it's an extremely difficult position for families to be in, especially if they are in those circumstances because of a sudden illness or an accident, and they realize that they never have actually prepared for or talked about what the person would have wanted to have done or not done if the situation were to arise. So we often associate these conversations with our aging parents and grandparents, but anybody can get into a car accident and wind up comatose. Anybody can get seriously ill. These are conversations that are always timely, always relevant, and always necessary. Depending on where you live, what's outlined in this document and its legality will be different. So you also need to know not just what's required like country by country, but also if you're in the United States, state by state. So for example, in Maine where I live, these documents don't actually have to be notarized, but in many states they do. So there's an American nonprofit called Aging with Dignity that started an advanced directive program in Florida more than 20 years ago that has now become something of a template and is found throughout the United States today. Uh, it's also been translated into 27 languages and Braille. And this is called the Five Wishes, and it divides up the components of an advanced directive into smaller sections and also includes aspects 
aspects like spirituality, which are important considerations for a lot of people, but may not be obvious when you're like sitting in a lawyer's office. It's also written in much plainer language than most legal documents. And had I not worked in healthcare when mine was drawn up and therefore understood all the medical legal jargon, I would have absolutely needed and appreciated a breakdown like this. So in all but eight states, Alabama, Indiana, Kansas, New Hampshire, Ohio, Oregon, Texas, and Utah, the Five Wishes document can be used without any additional paperwork, but if you live in those states, you are going to need a couple of extra things to go along with it, but it is still remarkably easy to do, at least in terms of like putting it together, although the topic is not necessarily an easy one to contemplate. So the five wishes, and these are things that you can start thinking about now, even if you're not ready to draw up a formal document, are as follows. This is the person that I want to make healthcare decisions for me if I can't. This is the kind of medical treatment I want or don't want. This is how comfortable I want to be. This is how I want people to treat me. And this might include religious services like last rites or prayer. This is what I want my loved ones to know. And this would be your preferences for things like funeral arrangements or memorials. So I actually included a draft of my obituary in mine because... Well, first of all, I'm a writer, so of course I would. But also, it takes the stress off somebody having to write it because I think that writing an obituary for somebody is probably one of the hardest things you can do. So I just drafted one up. Now, I think at the very least, even if you don't have a formal document, you should be having these conversations with the people in your life. And not just in terms of making your preferences known, but listening to what your loved ones desire also. And if you're uncomfortable or feeling awkward about starting the conversation, which wouldn't be unusual due to our culturally fraught relationship to death in the United States, please use this podcast as a jumping off point. You can open with this fact. According to a 2016 study, even though we've been promoting advanced directives for 50 years, Today, only about a third of U.S. adults have them, and most of the people who have them are chronically ill like me. But people who are already ill or disabled in some way are more likely to be having these conversations and expressing their wishes with the people in their lives. And so they're not actually the people who are probably in the most need of doing so. But before you can write down what you would want or don't want and figure out who in your life could advocate for you, you actually have to think about it yourself. You have to know yourself. And that requires confronting your mortality, which I know is a lot but just keep it in mind okay 